Amen. Thank you. Um, Can I just remind uh, Ethan and Matthew and also the four lads and Ruth, if you could all stay until the very end, because um, we needed a photograph, and if we don't get them taken now, we'll not get them. So um, that would be most helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, Let us turn in the Word of God to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We'll take a reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and then we're going to be referring back to uh, Joshua, or to the book of Judges chapter 13. But let's read from Hebrews chapter 11 to begin with. And we'll read from verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Ye moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be perfect. Amen. We know that God will bless the reading of His Word to our hearts. Let us seek the Lord for prayer. Our gracious Father, we come into your presence. We pray for your help as we but examine your word and consider it. As we contemplate this character, Samson, we pray that we would learn the lessons and that we would know your presence for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Abram Lyle was a devout Christian. He was a Presbyterian elder. He came from Scotland, and he was the the founder of the the company that would be made famous through the the golden syrup. And while the golden syrup has been in great demand for baking, well, it's also nice to have a wee bit on your porridge if you happen to have some of it in your house. But Abram Lyle he, he wanted to do something when he was marketing his product that would in some way show forth his Christian testimony. And if you look at the, the logo on uh, Lyle's Golden Syrup, you will see the, the dead lion and the bees around it. And you will see the words, out of the strong came forth 
sweetness. And that is taken right from the life of Samson. But Lyle's golden syrup has been quite recently in the news because that particular marketing logo is the oldest uh, trademark, as far as anyone knows, it's in the Guinness Book of Records, the oldest trademark of, of them all. It's been around for well over a century. And it is fascinating that it has a, a biblical context. But Lyle's Golden Syrup have decided to ditch the Bible verse. And they've decided to change the image. There will still be a lion. Instead of several bees, there will be one bee, but just the lion's face, not the dead lion. They said they want to change with the times. Now, they have denied that it is out of a desire to wipe their Christian heritage away, but others do not believe that. They believe that it is just another sign that Britain wants to get further and further away from its Christian past. And the point has been made, it may be a small thing, but it highlights the fact that in a bygone age, people grew up with these great stories, the stories of Samson, the stories of the judges, the stories of Joshua, of Moses, of David, of, of, of Solomon, the stories of the Gospels. People grew up with these great stories. They were part of the fabric of life, part of the culture of society. And when you take away all of that culture, you're seeking to forget where we've come from as a nation. And that really is the point. It's just a little interesting aside, but it has certainly brought the story of Samson to the fore. And even the secular press have been writing about Samson and about the change of the, of the logo. Samson. What can we say about Samson? I suppose if it was down to your eye to write Hebrews chapter 11, write the description of some of the great people that have served God in the past, we would never have put Samson there. Never. We'd be challenged for it. Someone would come along and say, what about that boy in there? Look at the things he got up to. Look at his sinfulness. Look at his lustfulness. Look at the problems he caused for himself through his own wickedness. Put him in there. But yet God decided to put Samson into Hebrews chapter 11. And yet, Samson is one of these enigmas, one of these puzzles. It has been said by someone that he was a great champion, but a very poor leader. He was a very strong man, physically strong, but he's also weak, morally weak, made the wrong decisions. And yet we are told on more than one occasion that he was a man who had the power of the Spirit. Yet at the same time, he grieved the Spirit. And it was his grieving of the Spirit that hastened his eventual demise. His life is instructive in that it is a warning. And his life is a warning. It's a warning to us all. 
You see, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, Paul said, Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And by that he meant those of us who are in this New Testament age. We read about all of these people in the past with all of their failures. It's a warning to us. And then Paul went on to say, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There's not one person that is beyond failure. Romans 15 and 4, Paul said, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hoped. So if we miss the lessons that come to us from Samson, we miss something valuable. We miss something that we need in our journey and in our walk. This major upon his strength. We're going to think about the source of his strength, the loss of his strength, and the regaining of his strength. And let's think about this man who was strong, yet he was weak. So let's think about the source of his strength, first of all. The source of his strength really began with the amazing promise that his parents received. And his parents had been married for quite some time. And they were an older couple, Manoah and his wife, and they had no children. And from that respect, Manoah's wife belongs to that select band of women who were amazingly touched by God, who prefigure the coming of Christ, born of a virgin. Manoah, Hannah, Rebecca, you can take the list. And this particular woman, she had a visit, and we're told in Judges chapter 13, verse 3, the angel of the Lord came and said to her, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. But he's going to be a very special son. He will not take wine nor strong drink, not eat any unclean thing. A razor will never come on his head. He will be a Nazarite. That's interesting. In the book of Numbers, read about the rules for the Nazarite. The Nazarite was an individual who would take a vow. That was a very important part of Samson's life, the vow that he took to be a Nazarite. And often the Nazarite only took the vow for a certain time, but for Samson, the vow was lifelong. He would never be able to get away from this vow that he made, that he would be specially consecrated unto God for a particular task. And whenever you read Judges chapter 13, you're struck with this fact that Manoah and his wife were an exceptionally godly couple. She went and she talked to her husband. She said she had met this man who said that she would have a child. And then we are told in verse 8 of Numbers 13 that Manoah started to pray about this. And God heard his voice, and then the angel of the Lord came to Manoah as well. And so here were a couple who had this very unique relationship with God. They were living in dark days, days of, of great sin, of failure, of apostasy, of turning from God. In Judges 13, verse 1, we are told that the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. For 40 years, they were under the cosh of the, the Philistines. Israel had once again lost their freedom. It seemed that they never learned the lesson. They kept turning to other gods and other idols and lost sight of the Lord, and as a result, the enemy came in. 
And the Philistines were based on the seashore. The Philistines were a warlike people. They were a very difficult people to conquer. And they were a very cruel people. And we would call them barbaric with some of the things that they did and, and what they got up to. But this couple were from the tribe of Dan. And Dan was right against the border of Philistine country. It's the same area that's giving Israel so much problem today where the war is. Gaza, that whole area. It's the area where Samson operated. That's amazing how history keeps repeating itself. And these lessons keep coming back and coming back, coming back again. This man was designed for great things in the plan of God. And whenever the child was born, his parents fully saw the potential of the child. They saw that God wanted him for greatness. God wanted to move him. And we are told in verse 25 that as the child grew and the Lord blessed him, the Spirit of God began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtal. And so we're immediately introduced to the fact that this man was moved by the Spirit of God. Even as a young man, he experienced the moving of the Spirit and whenever he accomplished great acts of strength, some have conjectured that Samson must have been a massive man, huge muscles, a kind of a Hercules. Not necessarily. Because we're told in verse 6 that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent the lion as he would have rent a kid. So whenever he did these great acts of strength, the Spirit of God came upon him, gave him that strength. We're told in verse 19 of, of Judges 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ascalon and slew 30 men of them. And the most famous incident was the slaying of the, the thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. And you read about that in Judges chapter 15. Verse 14, the Spirit of God came mightily upon him, he found a new jawbone of an ass, and he slew a thousand men. And he even lifted the gates of Gaza, we are told, in Judges chapter 16, and deposited them upon the top of a hill. He was a man who had great strength, but it was the Spirit of God that enabled him to do what he did. But God did something through Samson that he did with no other man, as far as I can tell. He showed the world what God could do with a man's physicality. God took up a man, and he gave him such superhuman strength. It was as if God, through Samson, was just revealing a little of his awesome power. That was the picture lesson. And it's still the lesson that we can get from Samson today. The high point in Samson's ministry is found in Judges 15 and the verse 20. After he slew a thousand men of the Philistines with the jawbone of an ass, we're told that he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. He had 20 years of good ministry. And that's what the Bible means by his inclusion in Hebrews chapter 11. And we can look at Samson, we can look at his feelings. He had feelings earlier on. He had serious feelings later. 
that during these 20 years, we are not told of his feelings. And it would seem to me that during those 20 years, he was a man that served the Lord well and served his people well. Israel initially rejected him. They tied him up. They threw him to the Philistines. We read about that in Judges chapter 15. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became flax that was burnt. He just ripped them apart, and he rose to defeat the Philistines. And after that, Israel realized that they had a champion in their midst, and he judged Israel for 20 years. You know, it's easy to judge Samson, to condemn him outright. And we must condemn his sinfulness, but we must remember that the Lord took him up and used him. Let's look at our children. Let's look at our little ones. Let's see the potential for good. He had a godly parents who raised him right, taught him the things of God, prepared him for this ministry. Let us, above all things, acknowledge our need of the Spirit of God in the lives of our children, in our own lives, if we are to be useful servants, if we are to be able to plow a furrow for the Lord. But let's think about the loss of his strength now. And whenever we come to the loss of his strength, well, where did that begin? Well, there were serious feelings early on that were but a foreshadowing of what he would eventually become in the gravity of his decline. In Judges chapter 14, he was attracted to a woman of the Philistines. He told his father and mother about her. And his father and mother said in verse 3, Is there never a daughter among the daughters of thy people, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines, but Samson argued back. He would not listen to reason. He would not listen to the Word of God. He would not listen to his godly parents. He decided that he would go his own way, and he would take a wife of the Philistines. And that's where Samson's problems really began. He refused to listen to the things that he was taught. Let us never forget the things that we have been taught. Young people, remember the things that you're taught here and from your parents. Remember the danger of the unequal yoke going and have a relationship, or even becoming married to someone that's not saved. It caused Samson all kinds of problems. It'll cause you problems too if you know God. It's not the path the Lord has for you. And that's really where Samson's problems began. After that, he became a very vindictive at times, a very cruel individual. The whole incident about killing the lion and then making up the riddle to get the, the Philistines at his wedding feast to guess the meaning of the riddle. You read that whole story and he's like a cat playing with the mouse. As if he has a sense of humor and he's mocking, he's making fun of these people that he was actually marrying into. And then whenever his wife got around him and managed to extract the riddle from him, and she went and told her family, the Philistines, what did Samson do? He went and he killed 30 men to get their clothes to give to the Philistines because that was the bargain if the riddle was guessed. And it would seem that all along he was acting out of a sense of 
revenge, of, of anger. You read about the, the kindling of his anger. See, Samson was a man of passion. Times of passions were directed towards women he ought not to have been having a relationship with. Other times his passions were, were full of anger. You have the story of him tying the foxes and turning them into the the vineyards and the, the cornfields of the Philistines. And that whole incident ended in Judges 15, verse 6, with the, his wife being burnt alive by the Philistines because they had brought so much trouble upon them as a consequence of Samson. It all ended badly. It all ended badly. And at times, that's how we see Samson. You see, the Lord used him. The Lord used his strength. Yes, that doesn't mean that everything that Samson did with that strength was necessarily right. There are things we must oppose in life. There are sins we must speak against. There is a stand we must take. There are protests that we must present. But we must always do it right and properly. We should never act out of a sense of revenge, or out of a sense of, of hatred even. Give the impression that we're, we're full of hatred. Such things are not right. And in Samson's case, we see the seeds of, of disaster that he was planting. And even during these 20 years when he served Israel well, those little seeds of sin remained in his heart and they were going to blossom. And at the very end of this 20-year period, 20 20-year period of ministry, we read about him in Judges 16, verse 1, and he's going into a prostitute's house in Gaza. Why did he do that? Well, the law of God forbid prostitution. And it would seem, perhaps, he felt it would be okay to seek out this pleasure amongst the Philistines, but not amongst the Lord's people. He was trying to justify his sin, looking for a way by which he could sin, which he could gratify his own lust, but keep himself on the right side of God. Oh, how deceiving we can be. And the years march on, and times change. But the sin that is in the heart of man remains very much the same. Then you have the whole incident with Delilah. And there was one thing that Samson had never done. It seemed that God had exercised tremendous long-suffering towards him, but there was one thing he never did. He never broke his vow. He never broke his vow. He took that vow in the presence of God and the sight of God. He had it from a child. He never broke that vow. God suffered long with him. But then he stepped over the rubricon and he told Delilah the secret of his strength and she sure, she cut his hair. And suddenly, God had had enough. The Lord's spirit departed from him. And we come to Judges chapter 16 and the verse 20. She said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. 
and they wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He was depending on himself, wasn't he? He was depending upon that strength himself. He wasn't depending upon the Lord. And he just took the Lord for granted, as if the Lord would be there, as the Lord had been there for him in the past. But he had broken the vow. He had broken the vow. And that was it. God left him. That's how sin works upon us, you know. We sow the seeds. We tinker with it a bit. Then we get more attracted. We get more into it. Then eventually, disaster. That's how it works. He wished not that the Lord was departed from him. Someone seeking to go about God's work. But they've lost out with God in their heart. The Lord's not there in the midst. The preacher coming and standing in the pulpit, saying good things. The Lord's not there with him. A church singing and worshiping and praising, seeking to serve God as the Ephesian church did, but they had left their first love. A church like the Laodiceans, who had a nice building and everything was going well for them. But God said, you're naked and you're blind and you don't even know it. The Lord had departed. God can take the candlestick out of his place. God can leave his people. Samson experienced that, and others have experienced that down through the years. And so how we see this man, he comes and represents to us terrible, terrible warning. In Jeremiah 17 and the verse 5, we read, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. That's Samson. He made flesh his arm. He got up to beat off the Philistines just as he always did. But the Lord wasn't there. Cursed be the man who does that very thing. He'll be like a heath in the desert, shall not see when good cometh. He'll inhabit the parched places of the wilderness. He'll become a dry person. That's what he's saying. But Jeremiah said, and this is the words of the Psalm 1 that we were singing at the start, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. Oh, we need to be like trees. We need to produce fruit. We need to be growing. But if we make flesh, our confidence will fail. Oh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's all found in that passage in Jeremiah. Let's look into our hearts. Let's examine them. Let's pull out the seeds of sin. Let's deal with them. Lest we become like Samson. You see Samson with the eyes put out? Verse 21. He has lost his vision. He's being bound with fetters of brass. He's grinding in the prison house. He's in a place of despair. Here's this great, mighty, powerful champion. Look where he is now. It's not the Philistines that have brought him to this place. His sin has brought him to this place. In Proverbs chapter 14 and the verse 14, we read, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. We read in 
Proverbs 13 and 15, the way of the transgressors is hard. Samson was filled with his own ways, with his own lusts, with his own desires. He lost sight of God. Now he found the way was tough. The way of sin might seem to be pleasurable for a time, and it will be. But you will reap a terrible harvest. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death, we are told in James chapter 1, 15. As we read about the demise of Samson, Surely the prayer of David comes to mind. Psalm 51, verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. O Lord, don't cast me away. Don't take your Spirit away, Lord. Paul talked about grieving the Spirit in Ephesians 4, verse 30. He talked about quenching the Spirit. Oh, let us pray that we wouldn't be guilty of these sins, but that God would have mercy upon us. Samson ultimately was not a man who could control his own spirits. Although the Spirit of God could harness that physical strength, his heart, his soul, did not walk in line with God. And that's where the true strength was. That's where he was really weak in his soul. The person that has no rule over their own spirits are like a city broken down without walls. Our own spirits and our own fleshly appetite could lead a person in the way of immorality like Samson. It could lead a person in the way of anger and wrath, using the tongue in an an ill-advised way. Tongue's a very difficult thing to tame, James said. We need to be careful about our passions, our desires. We need to be careful what controls us because if we're under the control of the flesh, who knows what disasters will come our way. But very quickly, there is the regaining of his strength. Months of toil, of hardship. The Philistines made sport of him. But eventually, he was brought out before the Philistines one day, and his hair had grown again. His eyesight was never regained, but his hair was grown. And he made one final cry to God. Verse 28 of Judges 16. O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. You get a sense of the anger in him, my two eyes. He had lost his vision. Never would get it back. The strength would come back for One final effort. The sight would never come back. As a consequence of sin, there are things that we lose. We'll never get back. I have no doubt that Samson was forgiven. I have no doubt that Samson has a place in heaven. I have no doubt of that at all. That doesn't mean he didn't lose out. He did. And I think... As we see him bringing the pillars down in the house of Dagon and slaying more in his death than he ever did in his life. But his body is in the midst of that heap. And as his family and friends come, carry away his broken body for a burial. 
It's the story of what might have been, what could have been. That's the warning. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. The end of Samson's days was a tragedy. Let us take the warning to heart. Let us endeavor to walk with God, not lose sight of Him, to be ruled by the Spirit, not lose the Spirit. May the Lord bless these words to your heart and to your soul. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Pray that you would write them upon every heart. We pray that we would fulfill the potential that you have for us, that we would not be consumed by the sins of the flesh. We pray for those who will now leave. Bless those who will remain for the table of the Lord. May we continue to know your presence. For Christ's sake, amen. We'll not sing a hymn. Um, if you're not able to, to stay, please feel free to leave. I'll not see you at the door today. Um, and those who are remaining will stay for the Lord's table.